Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies just like NetMera. And uh, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And Khan, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you know yourself, what you've been doing, and what it's like to be the co-founder and CEO of a successful company. Well, uh, uh, first of all, thank you, thank you very much for inviting us, inviting me. And so, I'm uh, actually worked in IT industry, in software industry, more than twenty years now. Oh. I, I started my career in a large company uh, mm-hmm. in Istanbul, in Turkey, and I worked there nearly ten, twelve years. And I, I gained some experience in from development to sales, actually. Mm-hmm. And then uh, entrepreneurial bug uh, <laughs> bite me, and uh, I moved on the entrepreneurial side, and I co-founded our company. Yeah, with one of my uh, friends in the company, actually, the the, the company I worked uh, with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started developing solutions for telecom industry first. And we gained some experience in the development side and we gained some traction in the markets. And it's especially we are working in the EMEA, EMEA in, uh, area that is Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh-huh. Later on, we started to develop NetMera because at that time it's around seven, seven years ago. Yeah. And uh, mobile revolution has been just started there. Uh, yeah. Uh, iPhone, etc., Android, and people started to use uh, those devices. And we focused on the uh, new area that apps, the mobile apps, are bringing. Mm-hmm. We developed a mobile engagement platform that is we analyze the user behavior inside the applications. That's what they do, what they don't do, uh, in which re- frequency they do it, etc. And then you can target them accordingly, and you can send them push notifications, SMS, rich notifications, pop-ups, etc. And it became a success in our region, actually, in in EMEA in, in, in region, and we have customers like Vodafone, Starbucks in the region. Yeah, some big customers. Yeah, Lacoste uh, from Europe, etc. And we have more than 150 million app users on our platform now. And we are collecting data about their behavior, and we are sending out uh, targeted notifications. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of really cool stuff. How long has Netmera been around for? When did you first found the company? Mm, well, we we founded our company in two thousand eight. It's now okay. more more than ten years and eleven years now. As I said, we first started to develop uh, projects uh, for large, mostly telecom companies like Vodafone. Mm. Uh, it was not a product company at that moment, uh, more, a, more a software development company, uh, like that. Uh, but however, we moved to the uh, product side quickly in uh, 2013. Yes, we launched the first version of uh, NetMera. Mm-hmm which is quite different from the current version, actually. <laughs> so we, we pivoted uh, to find a, the product, right product market fit, actually. We, we did several, several pivots, and then we f- figured out uh, where the market is, mm-hmm. what we can do, and what we can offer. Mm-hmm. And after 2015, yeah, uh, 2015, uh, it is now, be- it, it became a very uh, proven product in the market, and. Mm-hmm. The last four years, it's it's uh, rapidly growing in the sixty-five percent per year annual growth. Wow, 
that's huge. That's really, that's awesome. Where you, when we first started the show, you mentioned that you were bit by the entrepreneurship bug, right? But mm. I, what does that mean, right? Like I, I obviously, I, I feel like we know what it means, but really, did you have any entrepreneur experience prior to starting NetMera? Is this your first company? And were and was anyone around you an entrepreneur that kind of influenced that? Or do you think it was just, you know, you just knew that you wanted to start something? Yeah, good question, actually. Well, my, my family is not an entrepreneur family, actually. Mm. So not coming from my family. I have, uh, probably I'm the first uh, that, uh, that uh, built uh, his own yeah. company. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a bit uh, hard decision. That, that's why I'm, I'm not a young entrepreneur, actually, because I had more than 10 years of experience in the enterprise IT uh, large mm -hmm. company. Uh, so it's still it's still difficult though, right? I mean, with all the experience, building a company is not it's not an easy task. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true actually. Yeah, so because uh, uh, the longer you work in a company or in an enterprise uh, settings, mm -hmm. you're more comfortable in that area, so you don't move very rapidly. Right. So it's not uh, a very very easy decision. Uh, the entrepreneurial bug is coming from, well, this is something I wanted to do all the time while I work first. Uh, secondly, my partner actually, the, uh, my co-founder uh, moved to entrepreneurial side uh, earlier than me and he got some experience in that side and I saw him uh, what he's doing and also, well, it's not a bad career <laughs> actually. <laughs> Rather than working a large company, right. and finally, my wife supported me very much. Good, because, yeah. Uh, I told her, and uh, she supported me. Okay, if you want to, that's do great. It. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard, you know. It's it's something, and we'll talk a little bit more about the personal, you know, aspect of growing and, and owning a business uh, later in the into the show. But I think it's definitely like a good support system is always going to be important because mm -hmm. there's going to be nights and days when you just sit down and you're working, you know, the entire time. So it's definitely something that has to be there, you know, whether it's your significant other or even if it's friends that are, you know, like-minded that you can talk to and, and, and bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. It's, it's super important, I think. Um, but to talk a little bit more about the product, right? You mentioned that you pivoted quite a few times. What were the reasons for those pivots? Like, was it because you were creating something that essentially you noticed that there was no product market fit or was the, the entire market going in a different direction? Uh, obviously like you're working alongside, you know, applications. So if applications make a big, uh, you know, a big shift, that means you also have to make a big shift. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there are, there were, there were several uh, pivots there. Uh, one, one of the reasons, or the fir fir first one actually, we didn't start with the mobile applications in the first place. Right. We started with the websites, actually, and we tried to develop uh, some sort of a development platform or something like that. Mm -hmm. We quickly realized that there is no uh, competitive advantage what we are producing there, mm -hmm. because the web is already, I mean, uh, mature area. Yeah. Uh, there were many, many products there, many types of flavors there, and many, many uh, tools. Mm -hmm. We figured out that we won't be able to uh, be a competitive, competitive uh, viable uh, alternative to, mm -hmm. to the 
uh, in the first place. And then at that time, the, the mobile uh, applications are, were gaining traction. And so we moved to, the, to that area. But uh, the first thing we tried is again, a development uh, types of, well, we, we developed a backend as a service in the first mm -hmm. place. Okay. In the first iteration, let's call it. And actually, we, we did some traction. We, we, get, we got some traction. Uh, we, we, we registered nearly 2,000 developers on our platform at that time. Mm. However, the monetization was uh, not so yep. good. No, developers didn't pay, but they, they used. <laughs> but right. they and then that's why we moved to the uh, large brands uh, like yourselves. Right. And then they didn't demand the developer products or development tools, but they requested more of uh, engagement, retention, and uh, marketing products from us hmm. because they, they didn't uh, have much problems with developing their applications right? Uh, with their resources, of course, but they were uh, having problems uh, in uh, re retaining their app users, etc. Right, so, just getting people to use the app over and over again, uh, essentially. Yeah, because yeah, because people are downloading the apps, but they are not. They they uh, they don't use it very very long time, and right. they just and so we we solve this problem, and when we really solve this problem, the product market comes, and then everything starts working. Nice. So, do you believe this is interesting? Do Do you believe that if you build it, they will come? Mm. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, there's a lot of people that think so, right? Like, if you build something, like, if you build a cyber truck, then people are going to come and buy it, which may be, you know, I guess it makes sense, but only people know that there's a cyber truck out there. Uh, well, if you can build something like cyber truck, probably they come, but... <laughs> yeah. You still have uh, in front of people. <laughs> You're not usually uh, build uh, something like Cybertruck. You usually build a, a small, incremental, uh, a better version of something. Uh -huh. totally. If you do something revolutionary, then yeah, prob probably the word of mouth is right. enough to uh, bring you enough customers. But you usually, I mean, you're not that talented or you're not that lucky to build <laughs> something like that. So you, your product something that is uh, at least similar to others or at least uh, solving a, a niche, pro niche uh, problem initially. So you need to work hard with, with, uh, in marketing or you need to work hard uh, with the customers, etc. Right. Or at least for me, I mean, my, my journey is not, uh, no, okay, I built something, <laughs> people come all, all, all over yeah. the yeah, overall, I think it's, it's you know, usually that similar case for almost everybody. You know, you have something, but you still have to make sure that people know that it exists. Otherwise, there's no really way, like, there's no way for them to find out. But that brings me to the next question, which was, so you pivoted a couple of times, and now you're finally at, you know, the point in time where you're at now. What, what are the tactics, uh, you know, the processes to get in front of the perfect customer, right? It seems like as of now, the people that you're going after are bigger companies, right? Enterprise level, you know, contracts or agreements, whatever it is that you do. How do you get in contact with those companies? Are you doing like, how, how, how does the customer acquisition, you know, process look like? Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, we didn't start with the uh, large company targets. I mean, we, our product, 
was for more developers in the, mm -hmm. in the finance, and which is uh, actually uh, quite uh, individuals actually. Mm -hmm. But as we, as I said, the monetization problems uh, forced us to focus on a different market just because to make money. I mean, in order to be sustainable, right? We need to get money because uh, we are, we are not a. Uh, yeah, we are, we we bootstrapped actually. That's a key thing. Uh, if we get some external investment, maybe the things were would be different. Mm -hmm. Since we bootstrapped, we need to do, we need to get to the money first, <laughs> the fast. Right. Um, that that's why we focused on the uh, large customers because that's where the money is, and that was the key key thing. It's, it's, uh, it's something we needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, the way we, we approach them is to first uh, with a direct sales force uh, since that and, and that front I think our backgrounds or experience in enterprise IT helped us mm -hmm. so we developed uh, a network of companies during our professional careers right we leveraged that uh, connections so you okay yeah initially we get customers that we know them so we gotcha. did business in the uh, in the past, mm -hmm. and so they believed us. Probably they didn't believe our product, but they believed us. <laughs> right, they believed in you because they already knew you, and did, you know, uh, etc. Yeah. That makes sense. And then uh, the product was good and was really helping them, and they they started to tell other peoples, uh, which are also their peers in the other companies in, the, in their sectors, and then. Uh, we get more people and we get more customers. Aside from that's really good because I've, I've heard of a lot of different people on the podcast that have similar strategies, right? They, they knew people, uh, they contacted them, which is almost, you know, it, it kind of makes you think that, you know, everything happens for a reason and things happen whenever it's like the right time to do so. If you didn't meet somebody, something may not have happened uh, and so on. But the next question is aside from, you know, connections and word of mouth, like let's say uh, you run out of people to contact, right? Instead of your contact list, how would you then go and, and put yourself in front of the next enterprise company? Uh, yeah, we, we, of course we do marketing, mm -hmm. marketing and we mostly focus on uh, content marketing and uh, we, we develop content uh, for the respective industries we're working in. For, for example, for e-commerce companies, mm. mobile commerce companies, uh, we do tell them how to leverage mobile channel, mobile apps, and what kind of marketing tactics they can employ. Mm -hmm. And then we, we, uh, we position our product uh, with respect to the, for this, this information or this content. Content marketing is what we prefer, and also uh, we are running. Uh, we are we are participating or sponsoring industry events in the nearby gotcha. uh, fairs, exhibitions, or con conferences. Mm -hmm. We do, do uh, sponsor them actually, and sometimes we uh, present our solutions in those. Uh, That's cool. Makes sense. That's awesome. What is the biggest obstacle that you run into when, say, like with the content, right? Are you trying to explain how to do certain things or how to how to achieve certain results? Obviously, you know, through 
your solution or what is like, how are you approaching content marketing? Is it mainly to educate the prospects? Uh, well, actually it's been uh, four or five years now that it's, this product is on out market. It changed actually in the, in the beginning in 2013, 14, we mostly telling them about how mobile apps are important in their marketing mix, etc. So mm -hmm. we were trying to educate market in, on mobile, basically. Mm. Uh, but in uh, 2016, 17, we started to talk about how can they can engage with their users, retain with their users, etc. Mm. And now we are mostly we are working. I mean, everybody knows mobile apps. Everybody knows mobile engagement retention. There are other tools, etc. We are mostly telling them about our differentiators, etc. So mostly mm. the product uh, marketing. Uh, but it changed really, really. It changed during the course of the years. Yeah, and it's gonna keep changing, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you? Where do you see uh, mobile applications going in the next five, ten years? Because oh, oh, you're, I mean, so this is this is a great question, right? Because earlier you told me you're collecting just millions of data points, pretty much on a daily basis, from all the interactions and behaviors that people are doing inside of applications. How do you leverage that that data, right, to to make decisions on? First, where are the apps going to go and where is NetMera going to go mm -hmm. with that same you know, trend that's happening? Well, apps, uh, apps are definitely uh, as part of the people's daily lives now. So they're not going away, I, I believe. Uh, yeah. If there are alternative scenarios with uh, chatbots at some, some, time, some of the things, I don't think uh, the application ecosystem will... Uh, change fundamentally in the next five years, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, going to be apps, we, we will play with them, we will use them, etc. They, they are going to be there. However, the, there are two driving forces, I think, now. The, the tools, actually, or the, the, the way uh, the providers like us uh, are driven by two important trends, I, I guess. One of them is actually privacy. You know, in, especially in Europe, there is GDPR, GDPR, yeah, uh, the data privacy law, uh, which is important. So you should be very careful as brands, actually the providers like us should be very careful about what data you're, we are collecting. Yeah. Uh, what we are doing with this data, uh, mm -hmm. what we are doing with the personal information. And I believe this trend will also arrive in uh, US. Uh, mm. Yeah, I so, think so too. So the the way you handle people's data is important. So we're we're developing such tools because mm -hmm. we're making sure that the data is always uh, uh, private, secure. Uh, secure yeah. And, so, and the second one is of course the uh, AI uh, because there are lots of data and up to now actually the products uh, even Net, Net, I mean including Netmara and the others other competitors. Uh, mostly depending on the marketers or the users at the, at the brands that give meaning to this data, use it, and then uh, drive conclusions from this. But now it's becoming more automated via AI. And so we are doing some sort of things like the intelligent segmentation that actually the, our machine learning algorithms are segmenting users without any user oh. intervention. That's awesome. Well, it's also an, a trend in the mar marketing world, you know, mar MarTech. 
yeah. also happening in the application. So we will see more uh, AI or machine learning uh, algorithms working uh, autonomously and mm -hmm. giving uh, information to the users. Cool. I love it. I love it. Is there, has there ever been a time where, you know, with all this like breach of privacy and, and data leaks and stuff like that, has there ever been a time where you almost didn't work with a company because the risk of something like that was bigger than, you know, uh, like an e-commerce company per se, let's say that you, the, you know, a bank came to you and they said, you know, we want this for our company has there ever been a time like that where you said we like we don't want to work with anyone in the banking industry for you know just security purposes where we don't want to handle that type of data because something could happen mm. no uh, well we we seriously consider this uh risk mm -hmm. uh, however, we, we we i i believe we put necessary effort and systems and investment uh, for security of our systems mm -hmm. We are working with large brands uh, yeah. like um, banks like ING Bank from Holland or Vodafone uh, like from telecom industry. Mm -hmm. So we have necessary systems and investments. So I, I think we are fully uh, confident that we can uh, store securely their data and we are good enough to protect this data. So we, we don't think we, we shouldn't work with them. But however, especially in banks, uh, we are super careful <laughs> yeah. to put these, uh, not only the technology, because there are also, uh, because in the end, people are using this. So yeah. there's going to always a trust issue. Uh, so, so we are super uh, uh, selective in, in this industry, especially in banking. Industry. Yeah. Nice, nice. That's really good to hear. And, uh, a couple more questions here before we dive into uh, the more personal side of things. But in your experience, what's been the most challenging thing as you've grown the company? Most challenging thing? Yeah, everything. While, <laughs> while, while developing the company? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, many, many things I would say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, actually, the, 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 especially in the growth stage, uh, hiring or, or people because it's always very hard to find good people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always very hard to find good people that fits into your culture. And so that's the I think, hardest part. And also, you know, all around the world, in any, any place, uh, the technical people are on demand. Uh, developers are on demand, so it's yeah. always hard find good developers and it's always hard to find good people. Mm -hmm. What's your number one challenge right now as a, an entire, you know, company essentially? Mm. Uh, expanding into different territories. It's our aim now. Um, of course, we are working in the region, uh, in Europe, Middle East and in Turkey uh, here, but we want to expand into more regions. Mm -hmm. and to become an international company, a truly international company, and mm -hmm. it's a challenge, really challenge because it's not very easy, especially in the enterprise setting, enterprise sales. Mm -hmm. it's easy to reach out to foreign companies in a, in a foreign country mm -hmm. and to use your solution and keeping right. their competition there, etc. So it's a, it's a challenge, and we're working on it. 
Nice. Very good. And now to talk a little bit more about the, you know, personal aspect of running a business from, you know, how do you, and I feel like this is typically a, a, how do you, how do you say this? Like a question where I feel like the answer typically tends to be the same, but I'm interesting to see like, because, because it's younger companies, right? Like maybe like five years or something, but you've been around, I think for almost, what was that? 10 years. Yeah. What is the, the biggest thing that you notice to, you know, increase productivity as you're building the company? Uh, you, you mean per personal productivity? Yeah. Uh, well, well, uh, the, the, the types of things you do um, uh, during the course of your company uh, change all, all the time. I mean. mm -hmm. When 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 I when we first started, you were like you doing everything you can. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my marketing, it's yourself. It's sales yourself. Uh, <laughs> paying the bills, it's yourself. It's as well. Developing, it's yourself. So it's always the very few people, co-founders and very very few people building. So there, the the productivity is not the first priority, but the versatility or Anything you can do is important. So mm -hmm. That's that's the that's the uh, skill you need there at that stage. Right. Gotcha. You need to be very versatile at that stage. While, while you grow, uh, the hiring part and also training or coaching part becomes important because you need to infuse the culture and yeah. the way you do with other people because you start hiring other people and, and you're not probably working so close. At, uh, as compared to your first days, yeah. So, and that and that front, uh, your mentorship skills are important, etc. I think the the final the scale up stage requires a significant amount of productivity from yourself and your team. Mm -hmm. so there is a large team now, so I need to be very careful about how I spend my time mm -hmm. and during the my during while managing uh, my team. So I, I, I spent significant amount of time to think where to spend my time. I think. Yeah, makes I'm sense. To, I'm, I'm trying to uh, plan my time very carefully so that uh, only important things get done. Mm -hmm. Great, great. I like it. What is something that you're not very good at? Mm -hmm. oh, many, <laughs> many, many things again. <laughs> uh, well, I'm... I'm actually not a very good uh, product person, really. Mm. <laughs> but uh, admitting it is very, very, was very hard. Yeah. So, uh, those pivots actually, mostly because of me. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't aim the right uh, markets. I couldn't design the product very good at the beginning. But I was good at listening to people, so I, I could switch it up. But yeah. mostly now I... Uh, leave the product management aspects to my team so and they're doing it better than me mm -hmm. great and one last question here and we'll start wrapping up if you had if you could go back to day one now with everything that you've learned throughout these 10 years what would you tell yourself to do differently mm. well i i believe from a from a business perspective i i believe because many, many people at that time told me so, because I have friends from US. Mm -hmm. uh, 
they told me that hey why why don't you bring your product here so i think i i would i would try it at that time <laughs> bring yeah. it to, uh, to us because our competitors from us is i mean uh, growing even rapidly more rapidly mm -hmm. uh, there is a very good market there and there was even at that time well while europe is just starting these things there were a huge, there was a huge market in the us so i, I would do it in the us <laughs> first thing Mm -hmm. uh, from a personal point of view, uh, what I would do differently? Well, 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 well uh, I I would spend more time with customers at initial stages. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I would do a better product in less time. Yeah, great. And where can people find you online, Khan? Pardon? Where can people find you online if they want to ask any questions or follow you? Maybe on Twitter, uh, oh, yeah. LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, I think I, I personally use LinkedIn very much, and I can they can reach me there. Uh, I have a, a open connection policy, so if they they request a connection, probably they, I will accept, and they can bingo. just send out, send questions there. I'm, I'm there, Khan Bingo. Great, awesome. And last question here: Do you have any questions for me, Khan? Uh, I enjoyed talking to you. First. Yeah. It's a great show. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you on, on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll shoot over all the details and everything after uh, once it's ready to publish. But thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And uh, I really enjoy talking and learning a little bit more about NetMera and what you guys are doing. Uh, and I'm excited to see what you guys come up with next. And uh, for anyone that's watching this show, please don't forget to like it, subscribe if you're watching on, on YouTube or you know whatever streaming platform you're on. Uh, but thank you, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.